Hello, and welcome to another episode of SPCC Vaquero Voices, a podcast highlighting the unique voices that comprise our campus culture and how we're all working together to serve our students and the community at large. As usual, I'm joined by co-host, Keel Hill. What's good, y'all? And today we are honored to welcome Leela Richardson to the show. Welcome, Leela. Welcome, hey. Leela Richardson. <laughs> What's up? What's up? <laughs> and and Leela is coordinator of our Emoja program here on campus. Uh, home, a little bit of homecoming for you coming back to Santa Barbara, but did you know a lot about the Emoja program before you, you got the position? Were you familiar with it or is this kind of a, a new kind of thing for you? Yeah, a little bit of both. So before, I mean, we'll get into that, I'm sure, but I was a dean of students for a charter school in East Oakland. So part of the dean was, you know, attended trips with students, advocating for them about college and career opportunities. And so I went to Chabot Community College specifically to tour the kind of like a center for equity and social justice center up there. And in that center was like foster care services. I don't remember the name, but there was like a Latinx serving population group and then the Moja program. And I had never heard of it before that, before that moment, I hadn't heard of it. And I was so amazed. And I, you know, so I just a little bit as we were on the tour and then that was it. And that was, man, that's like at least 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah. And it feels like a program that's, you know, not that it's a new program, but that it's a, a, a kind of a newer program when you compare it to programs like EOPS and things of that sort right. that have been around, you know, 50s, 60s. This is within... I think the first emoji program is 1988. And then the, you know, community, California community college is kind of organized, you know, this, this century. So it is a relatively new program, but the, the principles are, you know, timeless and, you know, and, and the ideas are timeless. So if you want to break down kind of the, the kind of spirit and ideas behind emoja and, and things of that sort, and how you're kind of, you know, bringing that to the students here on campus. Sure. I mean, I think the first number one thing is about unity. Right. And so Omoja means unity, right? It's a key Swahili term. The term that's really well known, like especially in the Black community of folks that celebrate Kwanzaa, right? Which are a list of principles that are also key Swahili terms. So, you know, the idea and the concept of Omoja community is to bring together all of these practices and rituals are really about like Black sense of belonging across the diaspora, right? And so there are a lot of the, you know, some of the rituals or ceremonies are like centered in West African spiritual practices, but really it's encompassing, you know, everything from like the 70s to the, till now, right? When we think about Black unification, Black pride, even with their principles around like sense of belonging, everybody's business, having things like the porch, Ethics of love, you know, I think about, you know, Dr. Muriel, Muriel's kind of shared about ethics of love in a newsletter recently talking about the Emoja mural, and it reminded me of Bell Hooks, you know, and so Emoja community brings in, you know, scholarly information as well, and so it's rooted in that work, and that's part of it too, live learning, right, is another um, practice of Emoja program, so the program in itself is bringing in just this, I think it's like an ethos of love for the Black community, right? And like blackness is, is everything, right? Like it is saying we're not a monolith. It is saying like success can look like this. It is saying, you know, you belong in a place. I think it's really timely right now what's happening in, you know, across the nation, as far as like black folks, when we think about state sanctioned violence and reduce, you know, college graduation rates, what's happening in our high schools and what's happening with critical race theory, right? What's happening, all the things. And so having a program like Emoja in community college, especially in California and Washington, there are like three programs, I believe in Seattle, you know, at this time is, it's not lost on me, 
right? When we think about this idea of bringing folks together in a place, in an institution and saying, you belong here and your success matters. And then we're going to connect you with a bunch of resources. These are things that I did not see, right? I did not see, but I will say, I didn't see at the college level, but I had community, right? That pulled in all of these aspects. So in many ways, Moja feels at home for me because I see the roots and the foundation of the work because of what I was able to be, you know, how I was able to be brought up in Santa Barbara with this community, you know, in Santa Barbara of like black folks getting together. And I was having a conversation last night with someone too, you know, about like elders in our community and what that looked like. And so the Mojo program is bringing all of that together. And it's beautiful to see that it's a statewide chancellor's office fund, you know, supported program. Um, and a lot goes into it. And it's a very intentional work. So that's, yeah, it's, a, it's great to be a part of it. I'm like, just listening to you kind of just unpack that for us. I think you really, for me, you hit on such a key term, and that is resources. You know, I mean, we kind of talk about the integration of schools in the 60s in this country, and we don't even talk about resources. We knew when schools were segregated that Black students black schools were not appropriately funded so then now we introduce integration and schools integrate and resources aren't being put in the proper place so we are just allowed to integrate and expected to assimilate but resources were never actually allocated or funded this is why the, uh, the mojo program uh, for me is is super important to be on our campuses and that we back it and we support it because at the end of the day, a lot of it is is about resources. And it really seems like a match made in heaven because you may not be as familiar with Emoja on the, as, as the concept at the college level, but you're familiar with the concepts of Emoja on a personal level and you, you know how you build community. Like just hearing you speak, it, there's just this warmth and this like, there's this, you, you, I, it just feels like you know how to bring people together. You know how to get people, you know, on on the same, same level together, on the same path. And, and the fact that you have history in this town and you know about the history of this town in terms of how it relates to, to the black community and culture, because I, it's something that I wouldn't even have known if I didn't have the, the luck to work with, you know, Akil's mom, Jackie, at the library. And she had to fill me in on a lot of details that I did not know about. So it's one of those things where it's easy to brush it under the surface and say this and that. But if you know the true history of this town and you know the, the rich culture that exists for someone like you to come in and just kind of just lift it up for folks and remind folks this is this is what Santa Barbara is. This is what Santa Barbara can can still be and work towards i mean it feels like a great match and it's uh, from everything i hear it sounds like you're just you know you hit the ground running so Woo. you know I'm, thank you thank you i appreciate that i feel very much at home in this work you know i have to give proper shout out and dues to like those who came before me like i'm you feel that warmth for me because that's what i received right and that's what i saw and that's what i witnessed you know, my mom was a huge activator in community and, you know, worked in the East side, worked in unemployment, worked with like drug rehab and support and like really helped facilitate. And I watched her, right. As much as she had us in our own activities. Right. And so when we think about institutions like the Omega Boys and Girls Club in Santa Barbara, when we think about Endowment for Youth Committee that was in Santa Barbara, the MLK um, Junior Committee. Oh my goodness. There's one it was called the Alliance for, I'm so sorry, but it was like Negro was in it. And I forget all oh, the name and I'm so sorry. You know, Mrs. Nelson was the person that started that. And my mom came in and worked under her 
And as a transplant, my mom wasn't from Santa Barbara. I was born and raised here, but my mom came into a community. And the first thing she did was like seek out the elders that were already doing the work. And she sat, you know, what we say is like, I sat at their knees and listened and observed and just supported and gave back until it was her time to then like take on the baton. Right. So in many ways, I am the product of that. You know, my father also in Oxnard and Camarillo and doing the work in the church environment and community. And my father, as you know, one of the, um, you know, namesakes in his family was a connector. Right. So I've got these both sides, you know what I mean? These wonderful big trees on my, like growing aside for me who really taught me those about connecting people. And I, I believe inclusivity and belonging is the way that we connect in this world, you know? So it, yeah, it matters. It's a deep place for me and all the work that I do. It comes from that. Yeah, I can definitely attest to that. Leela and I have gone back. Well, we go back to Santa Barbara Junior High. When I first moved to California, she's one of the first people that I actually met throughout the years. You know, I mean, our, our friendship has grown. And, you know, her mother was like just everyone's mom. If she saw you out in the street, you know, not doing what you're supposed to be doing, she would quickly tell you where to go, where you need to be and to and to act right. And so that piece of, and which is interesting because it goes back to the emoji practices about everybody's business. And she understood very well the importance of, you know, everyone's business. And, and it was steeped in, I would say unity because of, we're talking about emoji, but ultimately it was really steeped in love and rooted in love. And so I'm super excited to, to have uh, Leela here on the show and super excited that, you know, that she's returned home and she's, you know, breathing life into the Mojo program and in many different facets. Uh, we were talking earlier in the week about how people or students are already calling her like Auntie Leela, you know, so there's a piece for our students to come in and, and, and see the, the cool auntie, you know, yeah. I think. So I mean, it was like, yeah, she's like the cool auntie, you know, she like the Erica Badu type auntie. So that's, yeah. that's who it is. It's a huge compliment, right? I think Akil and I have definitely talked about this. Like we have a common mentor in, Ro in Roxanne, Dr. Byrne as well as, you know, named Baba Tunde Foliami. And that was our Baba, you know, that was like our uncle. And we were talking like, actually, he wasn't even that old. Wait, was he our age? You know, we had that moment of like, oh my gosh, he was our age where we are now. Maybe, you know, give or take a few years from when we started at the age that we were connected. But a lot of the, you know, Black folks in our community in Santa Barbara, because the Black community was small, but it was, it, it is, I can't speak to now, but it was, has always been a vibrant, resilient community with history, right? And so I want to speak that. I know that that is present. And so that's also what I know in the past. Um, you know, even if I didn't go to like, I didn't grow up going to all of the black few churches, St. Paul, our friendship, but I went to services, you know what I mean? I went to the, the holiday services. I went to the, you know, all the different funerals and repasts and community gatherings. And so you met all of these families, right? And they were three and four generations, like Akil and Akil's family and the Sims family and Jackson's and so many others. And I came in, you know, are starting new. Right. And so my mom and our family, but definitely like people welcomed us in. And I think because there was also that like reciprocatory, like, you know, back and forth between what well, we welcome you in and we are welcomed as well. So yeah, it's it's wonderful full circle for me, but it's also 
it's our time. It's our time to step into those auntie roles into the Baba role, you know, um, and it, and it feels right. If you know, when something is right, it's because it feels right. And there's aunt, there could be challenges, but there's not a lot of like blockage and barriers and struggle. It's just smooth. And Akil had shared like, you know, some things with me some time ago, like when things are for you, it'll, it'll be for you. And I always kept that with me. I think it's maybe a saying from the Quran. Yeah, it's a, it's a quote. Uh, it's not from the Quran, but it's from a, a famous scholar. And it basically refers to if something's meant for you, it will be for you, even if it's buried underneath mountains. If something's not meant for you, you won't taste it, even if it's between your lips. And so that's that piece of really just trying to understand like what is for you is ultimately going to be for you. Yeah. And that's the key, really. When you talk about it being smooth, it's only smooth if you make it smooth. It can be as smooth or as rough as the situation can be. But I think it's just a test to the fit, you know, the, the right fit and the right the right moment, as you mentioned, that this is a good time for you to come in. It, it, it's a good situation. And it seems like, like I said, you hit the ground running. It's just been a seamless, smooth fit. And you, you're the one that has made that transition smooth. It's, I mean, we, we can attest in the past. It, it probably has not been as smooth in certain situations, certain days. But yeah. if you if you come in here and you and it feels smooth then you know then you know it's most likely done to fit in, in your and the culture that you're bringing to the role as well so you got to give yourself you got to give yourself those props as well so it, well, thank you yeah i appreciate that yeah i mean i think also too one thing that i really admire about leela also is the fact that really being intentional and understanding the piece that the people that have come before like casey was before you know and alicia was in the position and really understanding that everyone is, is pitching in, in this. And then whoever is to come next, you know, just really having a sense of honoring and respecting the people footprints you're stepping into, so to speak. And, and that's really, and I don't know if that's a mojo practice, but I really feel culturally speaking that that is definitely embedded in many aspects in, in, in black culture and, and uh, in this country that we recognize the the struggle and the hardship that the people that have come before us had had to endure. You know, I just I, I really appreciate you for honoring that. Cause it's easy to be like, you know, I've done it myself and this is all my work and this is what I'm doing. And you know, so just being mindful of of of, of that is really, really important. Oh, absolutely. I love, you know, I think one of the things I really love about this is connecting with the students, right? As they come in and, you know, you tell them like, I'm from Santa Barbara. And they're like, what? They're like, you, you know, I went on a walk during finals because I came in, you know, in December really, and it was finals week and a student was just really kind of like stressing and getting those finals done. I said, let's go for a walk. You know, you've got that whole Chumash ethnobotanical garden there. And that's something that I really love and appreciate and just coming from the Bay area and learning a little bit about ethnobotanical work. And so we just took a walk and we sat, you know, and she's like, this is beautiful. I'm like, yeah, this whole place is, is yours. You get to be here, you know? And she was surprised that I was from Santa Barbara and that some of the things that she was experienced, I also experienced, but with less in some ways, you know, less resources or people to connect with. I mean, I love, and I love that. I love to be able to share that story with folks and then be there and then talk about, well, what do you want to build? How do you want to build going forward? So, you know, that just speaks to that part of uh, Momojo Yes as a practice of, of history, right? And honoring those in the past, uh, definitely. And, and I feel like that's something that 
is not to say that it's it's a lost art. It's just that it's it's evolved with with younger folks in terms of, you know, there's a lot of, of things that people can speak on. Younger folk can speak on about their elders that we necessarily couldn't. And yes. they, in a lot of ways, they're they're saying, you know, like like you know the whole okay, okay boomer like that kind of thing. It's yeah. very dis, it's very dismissive. But to hear yeah. someone like, someone like you come in and say, you know, I leaned on those elders, and that's the thing. I have a lot to unpack from my parents. You know, Asian parents, we we know they're not perfect, but the you know mm-hmm. the, the work is good, but the record, the the behind the scenes record is is spotty. Let me just tell you. But at the same time, I, I have to say that I leaned on them so much. No matter all the things that I can hold against them, and you know, there's some things, yeah, of course. But but you have to you have to still have that respect and that that you know revere the work that they put in and the struggle they put in a lot of times you know they had no choice they just did what they had to do so it's one of those things where to hear you really speak on that and really kind of bring that like empathetic touch to the idea of just leaning on those elders and taking the lessons that they gave you you know however they gave them to you and just building on that and and then presenting that as the cool auntie i mean that's just that's a, that's a great that's a great that's a great way to pack it package it all together you know so thank you yeah so yeah you know, th- we're recording this a day after a great event in the in the Center for Equity and Social Justice, the Emoji Mural Q and A with with BAMP. You know, you, both of you, you know, Keel was was an integral part of the of the Emoji Mural process, and you did a great job emceeing. You know, being an MC on the event, Leela. So, I mean, if y'all want to speak on that real quick before we segue, and and just kind of, you know, it was it was just me being in the audience was just an honor and a privilege. It was beautiful. It was it was a packed house. It was, I mean, it was just great, and it just felt really good. I, I you know, I did. Didn't have to say anything. I could just bask in the just the energy that was there, and it was just it was just awesome. Man, it I'm gonna let Kill speak to some of the um, pieces of of his connection, and I know for me and Akil, we talk a lot. <laughs> we talk that we have always talked a lot through years. Like we got thirty something years now as friends, and you know, so at the beginning when uh, you know him and Roxanne were talking about what they wanted to do, and we were like, yo there hasn't been a mural like depicting black life. And I was like, this is amazing. You have to do it. And I think for folks to understand, we talk about ideas and movements and things that I've done in the Bay and projects. And like, we thought partner with each other. So this wasn't out the norm of just talking about like thought partnership and ideas and how to navigate and the resources as far as like people and places. When we think about foundation and money and just kind of connecting with people and bringing people in. So we talked about this and then move to the action planning and then move forward to the decision-making as far as like, we're going to go with BAMP. You know, they had looked at other mural and other artists and was like, we're going to go, this fits. I was like, this is happening. Like I was so proud. And that was just even in the action planning, right? Because sometimes we get so excited. We dream up ideas and we've all experienced. And then sometimes it doesn't happen, no matter how much you want to make, you want to make it happen. And so as they moved forward and were able to kind of do the grant writing that I was with them, just connecting with them on that and how long it took and getting it turned in and just kind of being on the side as a friend, as a supporter and just, you know, any feedback. And so it was just great to kind of be on that journey way before even thinking about returning home or, you know, applying to a job or anything like that. So this mural holds a huge place in my life because I think I don't know if folks remember, but on the east side by Santa Barbara Junior High, we'd walk down and there was beautiful murals depicting like the Aztec and Mayan culture, right? When we think about that Mexica, you know, culture and life and tradition. And it was a sense of pride, you know, like I grew up when like Chicanos and African-Americans were connected and doing work in the community. And so that was like, yeah, you know, you saw those murals in places. 
we saw, and even if it wasn't myself, I saw that there was culture that was being celebrated. And then physically we go to events and I would see my culture being celebrated in that way, but we didn't have a mural. And so coming all the way around to this moment yesterday, I basked in it too, Hong. I sat back, I stood up, I went to the back. I went to different parts of the room because I wanted to just sit in that space as well. I was there for the unveiling. I call it the after parties when I came through from the Bay, but I missed the whole early event as I was traveling. But my son was there. I kind of did the same thing that my mom used to do. And she would say, go to this, go to this event and represent the family. We'd be like, I'll be adults. Uh, but, you know, God bless my son and my daughter who have always done that and had to, and took on that tradition. And so he went and he, you know, enjoyed himself, you know, in the event and I came in at the end. But I just I, I love that I came in at the end because I was able to sit in the silence and the afterwards and just feel that buzz of all the people that were there. You know, we talked and we were in the motion center. <laughs> we were sitting there at the Motion Center and just talking about things. And, you know, little did I know if that was any foreshadowing of what was to be. And now I get to be in this space and call it home, right? Call it this place of, of this home. So yesterday was just magical for me to hear Andre speak on it, to hear Dr. Murillo and that ownership and to heal a kill and all the students who came through and we had the English 110 Moja class, right? You know, Kathy Malloy brought the students over and talk with some of them afterwards and how much they were excited and just happy to be in the space. So like, yeah, full circle, you know, we've got Shantae who provided the cupcakes is a, like a good family friend and someone that I grew up with. So I just really excited about her success, right? That's that piece. When we talk about community, I'm like, I'm happy to see you, right? I'm happy to see you out here doing the thing that makes you passionate. And we have resources to allocate to even have you provide the cupcakes. Like, that's about meeting people where they are. And then if you have the resources to provide opportunities and then you just keep going with that, right? Like that, when we talk about unity and allocating resources and funding to support sustainability, like that's it too, right? So yeah, it was just a wonderful moment for me, even doing the libation ceremony. Yo, like that's something I saw my mom do, right? Like to step in that moment, I was nervous. I had told my daughter, I was like, hey, I got to, I'm doing the libation ceremony. She's like, what? I'm like, am I, am I that age? And she's like, she didn't want to say like, mom, you've been, you've been there, but she was like, you know, yeah. How do you feel about that? Like, I love that. She like looked at them and was like, how do you feel about that? And I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm going to represent, you know, I'm going to do it my own way. And, but I grew up watching other people right? Watching my elders, watching my mother, you know, do that in different places at the Cabrillo Hall and Juneteenth and different events. So it was just, it was, yeah, it was an honor for me to step into those shoes and be there. So I'm still feeling it. I'm still feeling the tingles of yesterday and just feeling really proud. And, you know, we're going, we have more in store. We got lots more that we're planning to do and, you know, kill and I laugh, make some good, do some good trouble out in here. You know, we got some good stuff coming up. So I'm excited. So that's just like one, but like we're about to do a lot of things yep. in that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. We just getting started. We just, we getting, just started. getting started. Yeah. Man. We just <laughs> yeah. Getting started. I mean, for me yesterday, you know, I, I mean, it's black history month. Right. And so one of my favorite African quotes is, and I think you guys probably heard, have heard it before. If you want to get there fast, go alone. If you want to go far, right? Go together, right? And so to me, that's that's the mural, you know what I mean? Like, it's like really, because it, it was a lot of people 
putting in the work to make it happen. You know, I mean, even to the piece where I, when I had envisioned getting it there, like thinking about people and purchasing and security and all the places like people don't really get that recognition uh, of doing things. And everyone was, and I can honestly say this from the, the depths of my being is that everyone was in support of it. Everyone, security was cool. Purchasing worked hard to, to get payment through and cut the check and um, security was there on the late night opening and the locking and, and like just a whole slew of support. And from the beginning, it's really interesting when you have a vision and like Lila was, uh, had already alluded to, seeing that to come into fruition and really bonding with people in the process, because that's really what it's about, right? Like the mural and all of its glory and greatness that, that it is on our campus. For me, it's like, wow, now I have a better relationship with Melinda Goddard that I never really had. Wow, I have a better relationship with people from Black faculty staff that I didn't know that were actively engaged in Black futurism. And you start to see sides of people that you really admire and respect and really connect with. And yes, while we do have a beautiful mural, um, for me, it's the connections. And the proof of that is the turnout. The connection was with the people that turned out to show and support. And that's what's heavy. Special shout out to uh, Dr. Roxanne Byrne, um, super instrumental in, in being uh, putting it together, reaching out to BAMP. She actually found the artist on that. So we just got to, that's being in community where you're leaning on people in different ways. And, you know, we talk about earlier about what's meant, right? And, and then when Dr. Mario sends out the ethic of love, and that, you know what I mean? Like all of that, or just reminders across the way about just what we're supposed to be doing at Santa Barbara City College for our students and for our work colleagues. If it's not steeped and rooted in love, then it's not, it's not going to last. Just, it just won't. And we do talk about the pace of bureaucracy and the speed at which things get done. And the mural is something where it probably didn't feel quick to you, Akil, but in terms of, in terms of how I saw it, Y'all, y'all were quick. Y'all got it done. I mean, things were yeah. moving. Y'all were flying, you know? So, I mean, yeah. it was, I mean, I'm not taking any, it was probably, you know, the, the process was what it was, but, but like, man, in terms of getting how quickly you got that turned around, that was, that was beautiful to see too. So Yeah. That's the piece of purchasing, purchasing. And then Paloma was super instrumental, uh, VP Paloma. Like it's just a lot of people. It's, you know, it's, it was a big lift and that's why people showed up because everyone had their fingerprints on it you know so super proud of our, our institution but we ain't finished nope nope but at the same time you can bask in the glory while it's here and i, I know it was recorded i'll try to track down a recording for the show notes and i'll try to get that in there On that note, segueing along to uh, our next segment, what brought you to SBCC, or Lila, what brought you back to Santa Barbara? If you want to just go into your kind of path journey, you know, you, you allude to, to, to pieces of it before, but kind of kind of what brought, brought you back to SBCC? Just want to see Akil more often, you know, <laughs> say what's up yeah, to Akil. I mean, <laughs> have you seen Zaid? Have you seen Amina? Like, do you know Roxanne? You know, like, that's a lot of love right there. You know, definitely wanting to see them on a more regular basis. Yeah, born and raised in Santa Barbara and 
from preschool, right? Daycare, preschool, junior high, Santa Barbara Junior High, you know, Santa Barbara High School, Santa Barbara City College. Left Santa Barbara City College and went down to Ventura. So that was the first time, like moved out of the area and went down to Ventura. I went to Ventura College. I actually finished my AA at Ventura College, you know, many moons ago. And then I was like, I'm going to go to the Bay. And actually in between that time, you know, I, I credit Akil um, because, you know, Akil was up in the Bay area for a little bit and was like, you need to move to the Bay. Like you're going to love the Bay. And at the time I was thinking about transferring. And so we got these great transfer programs now, but I really felt, and many times through my earlier, well, for a long time, and I'll talk about that later, but in my college career, I felt on my own, even though my brother had went to college and he went through sports. So he was an athlete, you know, Santa Barbara City College and then, you know, redshirt and did all that. So we navigated that with him. My sister went to an art school, you know, went to photography school, but also went to Santa Barbara City College. And I was kind of in between arts meets, you know, activism meets education and just kind of academics. So I kind of felt, you know, when I was in systems really on my own. And so at Ventura College, looking at transfer, Kill had mentioned the Bay Area. I started looking at schools to transfer. I figured, how am I going to pay for this? There was AmeriCorps at the time and you could go and do AmeriCorps and get money for school. Of course, I thought it was going to be like all this money. And, um, you know, I ended up, you know, following the I get track. And so I was ready to go and transfer. I didn't apply to a lot of schools. I did the same thing from high school. I didn't apply to a lot of schools. I applied to like two schools from high school because just not really knowing. And, you know, when we talk about feeling isolated or feeling like lack of sense of belonging, I had a, a high school counselor tell me you should just go into being a secretary. Like this is in the nineties, y'all. Like, my mom actually was a secretary. Like, what are you talking about in 1994? I should just be a secretary, you know? And my grades weren't bad, but like I, when I look back, I'm like, oh, I could have applied to many schools. I had many options, but I felt that small. So I was like, well, I'll apply to two schools, you know? And I, I didn't get in. I wanted to go to Spelman. Shout out to HBCU and Spelman. But I, Santa Barbara City College was, you know, an option and you know, I found my way there. I went to a study abroad program at Santa Barbara City College, went to Cambridge, rocked my world, you know what I mean? Opened me wide open and traveled in Europe for a little bit and went back on my own and then came back. And then, you know, so I ended up going to Ventura College, finishing up my degree and um, transferred, moved to the Bay Area, you know, did AmeriCorps, had some children, you know, and life just kind of stopped a little bit. I focused at least in school, you just kind of paused and I, you know, worked and raised children and did a little bit of school here and there, class here, class there. Um, and I worked at in schools, I worked, you know, in art programs, a lot of activism, nonprofit work, a lot of like parent advocacy groups and supports, um, helping other parents like me return to school or get ESL classes or navigate different like resources. Uh, again, like things that I felt like I could do and I was became really good at. And then, you know, worked on some schools, ended up going to, got into SF State, but it was foggy and overcast and I didn't stay. And I said, oh, let me go to the sunny side of the Bay and ended up going to Cal State East Bay for a little bit, stopped, started, and then worked at a charter school for some time. Worked with students, helping them to get into college, help, helping a lot of things, the whole child. And I burnt out. 
I really did. I burnt down the education system in that way. And I said, oh man, I want to go and start working with people from like an earlier start. And so I went into wellness and I wanted to see people who looked like me in wellness, you know, in massage therapy, as a doula, a birth practitioner, that was really valuable to me. So this is all in the Bay Area. And I found a lot of resources and community in the Bay with folks who looked like me doing this work. And really that was, the motivation was around helping folks have wellness earlier on. I figured like if we can help families and parents early on, then by the time they get to high school or colleges, maybe they'll just have a little bit of a stronger foundation. So I went to massage therapy school, doula training, you know, did that, continue to do some work in the black, in black and brown community. I finished my degree just recently. I went back to school during the pandemic. So what is that? 2022? I just finished my bachelor's degree after many, many years as a returning student did things along the way, but that was my final, like, sis, you got like a semester left. Let's just get it done. And you know what? There's a lot more resources now than there were when I was there throughout those many years. But again, back to that quote of like, when it's your time, it's your time. And I had wonderful professors and deans and ethnic studies who just made a way for me. And it was like, oh, all the challenges that I had before were no longer there. You know, and it was amazing. And they were starting programs too, you know, Center for like Black Student Success. They have a Sankofa program now, but those things were not there. You know, as a single parent, working parent, there weren't resources. And that was one of my biggest complaints. Like, how do you support, you know, where are the resources? This is really hard. And I look at Santa Barbara City College now with the SPARK program. I'm like, man, I needed that program when I was in school. And so, you know, moving forward, Finishing up my degree, I worked as a, a teacher for the National Holistic Institute for Massage Therapy, and I, you know, was a faculty member there. And then I left and said, I'm going to pursue my wellness work, like full time. And around that time, found out about the Santa Barbara City College position for the Mojo program. And I said, you know what, I want to be able to bring it come from a place of wellness. No longer am I going to separate these things in my life. You know, I've done consulting education around diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging work, circle keeping, transformational justice, a lot of things along the way. But I always put things in these separate places, right? And so finally I was like, what I do next is going to come together holistically and I'm gonna come from that place. I'm not gonna have to like, oh, I can't bring that in. Oh, I can't bring that part of me in. I have to save that for contract work. And so the Mojo program was like, oh, I can bring all of that with me. I can come from a wellness when I talk to Black folks about wellness. I can come from a place of belonging when I talk about Blackness isn't a monolith. We can be whatever we want to be, you know? So um, I applied to the position. I didn't think, I was like, what? I'll go home? It didn't hit me that I was thinking about returning home until I started looking for places to live. And I was like, oh, snap. Oh, you're, you're going to go home. Like, what? You know, and I have family here, um, Hong, I know you don't know this about me, but I have family along the coast. So from Aurora Grande all the way to, you know, Long Beach, siblings and cousins. And, and so they were like, you home, you're back. You know, and I moved back like, what? Uh, a lot of folks still can't believe it. So that's kind of how I returned. That's kind of in this wonky, wavy, zigzag way, how I returned back to the Santa Barbara community. And it's been, it's been great. Yeah, a lot of, 
grounding and foundation, right? A lot of a lot of that work is there. And then a lot of newness. I live in a brand new building, you know, there's a lot of new things happening in communities. And so I'm a, a different person, right? My kids are grown-ish right now. I guess you say I'm a, I don't like the term, but like people say empty nester, but I feel like the nest is always ready for the babies to come back home. So you got to stay ready. So my kids are, you know, older and I've always worked with the population of the ages that they've been. It just happened to be that way. When my daughter was in high school, I worked in high school. My son was in college now. Now I'm working with college students that are around his age. And I love working with with returning students, right? And we talk about folks on the margins and folks who have historical challenges, right? Returning to school. I'm like, hey, I told a student who was returning after he's maybe 27. I said, I just returned. I just finished my degree. And he looked at me, he goes, really? I said, yes, you can do this. You can do this, you know? And that happens to be a family friend's son, you know? And I'm like, absolutely. I'm going to cheer for you all the way. Not like if I can do this, you can do this. But like, I'm here to stand to say, I've done this. It wasn't easy, but I'm going to, you've got more supports. So we're going to support you along the way. Yeah, it's kind of my journey back, you know, return home. I know that typically, like, I, I just want, I wanted to hear the answer to this question. I had been thinking a lot when, you know, we kind of decided about bringing you on uh, the show. And one of the questions I, ha- I have, and I'm just curious to hear uh, how, you know, what your thoughts around this is, but what do you, what do you envision Emoja to be? Like, if you could just, you know, wave the wand and, and, and you, and you think about, you know, Emoja and, and what would that look like for you? Think seeing the program thrive, what would that look like for you? Whew. Yeah, wow. Um, it's a good question because it's in my mind of like, it is what it is right now. Um, it also could be whatever, you know, we and the community and the students make it to be. But I, what's most important to that is I feel like it's a community program, right? And so Emoja to me is a connector, right? It's students. It's families, it's, you know, Black families in the community, Black identified folks in the community, Black, you know, supporters, allies, right? Like that Emoja is a connector for folks, you know, in the community and, you know, at the college. And so that's either via workshops, that's either, you know, returning to school or, you know, taking the extended free extended learning classes. Like that's an amazing program to me, you know? So I think it's, it's a connector. I really do. I think that I can't, there's all kinds of ways I can articulate that, but that's, it's a connector. And I, I think of all the ways that we were connected in Santa Barbara, you know, through those programs that I mentioned before, UIC, you know, Mega Boys and Girls Club, the Boys and Girls Club, East Side and the West Side, you know, but um, all of the things that I am a product of, I think the Moja program in its own way can support, right? And so that we connect with all of those, pro, you know, existing people and programs to support the culture, right, of like what Black community is, and then also supporting the current students. You got folks out here who don't have that historical knowledge, who have come in from out of state, you know, we got these folks who don't know, and they come to Santa Barbara, they're like, oh, is there, you know, I students ask me, is there a Black church here? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, they're like, is there so spots? I'm like, yes, where can I get my hair? Like, those are key elements of belonging in, in Black like communities and like families, where can I eat? Where can I go for maybe a spiritual practice? Where can I take care of my hair? 
Where can I socialize that will be safe on the spectrum of whatever that is for people, right? And so I think it'd be like, Emoja is a great place. I love for folks to call up and say, hey, you know, I know you're a college program and do you know this, this and that? And I think Akil, you are really holding a lot of that right now, you know, and a connector in the community and people are calling you for different, you know, resources and connections. And I think Emoja can really help in that way. Yeah. I think that's a, a vision for it. If... And, and it's good you mentioned that connector of the community because just hearing your story and your path here, I mean, the work you were doing in the Bay, you were connecting communities, you were working with communities. And, you know, you talk about the burnout and, you know, we're glad you're here. We're glad you finished your degree, but I wish they paid the work that you were doing in the Bay. I wish they gave you enough to live where you wouldn't have to be, you know, burning out and running around because they really don't pay people enough to do that work. Everybody talks, in, you know, in South LA, they want more midwives, they want more doulas in, in communities to, to do the work, but they're not willing to pay. Or if they're willing to pay, you got to fill out like 80 sheets of paperwork to get, the, to get it done. So it's like, and then the people doing the work are always complaining, like we're running, you know, a 50, 60 cases deep. We're making no money. I mean, this work is so important. Everybody, everybody top to bottom will tell you and t tell you till the cows come home, how important that work is. But when you talk about how much money there is to support these programs, oh, yeah, we have the money here. But the people actually doing the work half the time are just running on scraps. And I wish I wish that, that there was a world where, where the value that you put into the work that you did, you know, was properly expressed back to you as opposed to back to wherever it went, you know, up, up the chain or wherever it went. Because you'd still probably be, you know, you might still be doing that work, whatever. But at the same time, you you know, there, there's, room to, there's room to do that work here. We probably compensate. There's just room to properly compensate people doing that kind of work. Cause it really is the most important work in terms of connecting communities and building that, that base level of, a, of capability for an area, a culture. And it's just, you know, like you, you, we say we want to support it, but when it comes to the nuts and bolts of it, we just let the people that are doing that work just kind of do their thing. and be like, Oh yeah, great, great, great. You know? And it, it's, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. Well, I think Han, that, that speaks to exactly why the Mojo program exists, right? So you think about, but like you said, 88, like all of those folks were doing the work and were not being compensated. It was, but it wasn't about that, right? They were doing the work, but they still had families to feed, right? Like civil rights movement folks, leaders in the 70s, like folks had mouths, people to feed and look after. And so that's the other thing is it's beautiful to see now here's a program where you actually can, you can compensate people, you know, where you can say this work is valuable for you to be a connector and to be an advocate, to be an advisor, be a counselor, be a coordinator, become a faculty member if that's the direction that you go, you know, and that we're going to compensate you, right? And so we're going to say that there, there's value in this. So I think that's really beautiful to see that. And, and I hope in birth work and reproductive work, when we think about that on a community scale, we're getting there. There's beautiful programs like Sister Web in the Bay Area, where they're doing a, you know, a living wage for doula and birth workers. It's a, it's a time, they're small programs, but they're starting, right? We think about Medi-Cal and Medicaid now compensating doulas. It's not at that place yet, but at least we're getting there, right? So we think about contracts and consultants. People are seeing the value of cultural competency and training and awareness and belonging. They're like, oh, we should pay people. Yes, you should pay people. You should put them on your salary. You should create a position. You should, you should do that. Put it in your budget. It's a line item. It's not a one-time thing, right? So I think folks are catching on to that and that's exciting to, to see that. So I have yeah. hope. I'm an optimist. If you know anything about me, 
I am an optimist. Um, even if it's just one little thing, I see it like it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of those things where pay people and give them benefits and make it so they don't have to, their taxes doesn't take them eight years to do at the end of the year. Cause keeping those receipts and stuff for freelancers, all that stuff. Man. Cause you know, in the, I saw it in the punk community and you know, when I hung out with the, you know, hip hop community stuff, it was always morals over money. Don't, don't sell out. But now I'm like, man, we should have sold out yesterday. You know, like people, people should have been comfortable yesterday. They got people in the trenches playing those games, having these conversations where everyone at the top is eating. They don't even think twice about sun out. They don't even think twice about that stuff. And we're sitting here, you know, debating about all that stuff. It's like, man, we why not both? Why can't we have money and morals? You know, like, but yeah, one day we're getting there. You're right. You're absolutely correct. Oh, it's like that's like keeping it real and keeping it capitalist. You know, it's like it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a struggle, right? Yeah, that part, yeah. that part. You know, I, I, you know, one thing I, you know, it's been on my mind. I've been thinking about it because uh, I attended a, a lecture last night, and they were talking about, you know, birth work as well. That came up in in, in the discussion, and you know, I, I think like in the and the the anti blackness and racism surrounding women of color and and birthing, and you know, I really I left there thinking how it's so fascinating to me, and in, in a lot of ways where we talk about in this country in a lot of ways about black death right so there's a tragedy that occurs someone is is beaten or killed and we talk about all of that it's on cnn it's on the media across the country everyone's talking about did you watch the video did you see the video while that there is a place for that and that definitely needs to be addressed i really walked away and i've been thinking about how the reality of it all is we're not talking enough about black birth and people of color and the disparities around black life or people of color's life because we know that there is a great gap there right so we are worried about the death at the end of someone's life and we're focusing on that as the tragedy but we're not focusing on enough of the life part like what is that what does that actually mean to bring someone into the world and 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 our people's needs being met in that space um i can just i felt that obviously you know i have a son that is uh 11 months year old 11 months and and i just think you know i just had to say that because i feel like you know people want to write letters in solidarity and all this but we're, the reality is like it starts from the beginning y'all like the disparity is at birth so anyways that's just a thought I had I had to express. I appreciate it. You're you know you're preaching to the choir. I can go on and on about birth work. <laughs> so I'm like, that's another podcast. I know I am. I know I am. I just had a I just Don't had to get, get me off fired my up to kill, you know. Yeah. <laughs> kill stays in the street. Can we just acknowledge that? Akil just went to a lecture. I swear that might might have been his fourth thing, you know, since Black History. We're 10 days in, Akil. I think we need to do a new advent calendar. And it's like Black History Month advent. <laughs> calendar and a kill will have a thing for every month for you to do i'm for real I think it's good like attend a lecture you know what i mean go to speak on a panel i look i, I will buy it Akil. i will buy it stop it Lila. you're Akil, wild Akil stays grinding Akil stays grinding right? all right segue in or to good eating our food section so lila you want to kick us off Food, Man. restaurant, think something you cooked, something you ate, anything, whether recent or all time. All right. I love I love food, too, y'all. So I've been thinking about this question since you shared it with me and listened to the other podcast. 
There's many ways to answer this. Many ways to answer it. I'm going to stop. start with my like recent favorite new spot. And then I'm going I'm to take it back. So because I've moved and I live in Ventura, I've been commuting to, you know, to work. I've been Uber eating, you know what I'm saying? And, and trying to like discover places and looking at their scores. I'm like 4.8, 4.9. I had some, I won't even put them on blast. I've had some bad, I had some duds. I no strays, no strays here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got to take the straights with the crickets. <laughs> Man, look, it was it was bad. It was bad. Because look, let me just, can I just say, coming from Santa Barbara, moving to the Bay, the Bay is a food, foodies mecca. Like my kids, yeah. house, there was no chicken nuggets for them growing up. You know, they were like, you want some ponset? Let's eat that. You don't want some, a pupusa? You know what I'm saying? Like, we could just do, we could do anything. We can go anywhere I never had a problem with my kids eating food because they had a community and multicultural friends and we were always grubbing. So like to have that at your fingertips, you like, you want Pakistani, Indian, Indo soul food. Okay. We're going to go there. You want, you know, like you want that, like really Szechuan, like, do you want to go there? Or do you want like this really, anywho, a lot of food in the Bay, shout out to the Bay area. So coming here, I was like, where am I going to eat? And look, Akil, Roxanne, even my son, they're like, ooh. Alone the road, they're like, ooh, yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> they're like, ooh, you're going to have to go out of town. I'm like, what? What? Y'all, they're like, these And I was like, okay, stop this madness. So, anywho, I've been on this discovery. You know, I got my foodies, you know, Roxanne and Akil and my son, Omari, you know, and they're like, okay, try, we'll try this. So, when my friends come in town, I'm taking them to Tacos Diablo which is right here on Thompson, man, they got media tacos and I love some media tacos. And I, I look, the dairy and I are not friends. So I have to do lactose dairy free. So I'll go there. That's like my, that's my go-to joint. That's what I decided. People come in town, they stop them through. We're going to go there. Cause it actually used to be a cool hoagie spot. Right. So I know the spot I used to pick up the hoagie and the bag of fries, like, you know, back in my, my days. Um, so that was a good spot. So that's my go-to spot. Hey, then but it- listen, but listen, I'm going to ju- jump in. When Alita says it is her spot, it really is her spot. She be texting <laughs> me photos at least three times a week that she's hitting up Tacos Diablo. So when it's she so says right. it's, it's when so she right. says it's her spot, don't think that's like don't think it's a once a week type of trip. It is like two or three times at least a, during the week. I get a picture. The last text she sent me, she sent me a picture. It was the video tacos. And then she said, I think I have a, I think it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and you can do cheese free. It's only the case of video. They got the cheese. So when you just get the straight video. Yeah. Oh, look, I, All right, that's, I just had I just had to let the listeners know that's. That's really my spot. Like it, when you, it is really your spot. Look, and look, it's not cheap anymore. So let's just like shout out to people trying to make money. But whoo, it's it costs you a little penny for those two tacos. So anywho, really tasty, love it. That's that's how I'm gonna list things. People coming in town. Now, if you're gonna come over and kick it at my house, we're gonna get takeout. Tasty China. They're here in Ventura. I ordered some like dim sum. I got me some um, this beef scallion, man. Uh, beef like, scallion pancake, you said, right? Beef scallion pancake. It's so good. It's like, it's like think of like a tortilla wrap of like sliced beef with a scallion pancake. You get a little bit of like the oyster sauce. Like it's kind of marinated, y'all. And you get so much. And I was like, this is enough food for like me to share. 
And then I got this like brisket noodle soup. Come on, like the broth. Oh, it, yeah, it was great. It's great. I have to, they're, I'm keeping them in the back pocket. Folks coming to town. Yeah, like those are my two spots right now. We've got another pho spot that it's out in, it's also in Ventura. Um, I don't remember the name of it, Akil. I'm going to say Fagayu. Is that how you Yeah, it's like fug, fug you. Like, <laughs> I see. You see, you know. The clever, the clever pho. The pho, clever, yes. like, you know. Yes. But it's good. It's tasty. So you get a lot of food for, you know, for the amount. So I like them. I like the vibe in there. Yeah, the vibe um, is good you know, in there. Look, you go to your favorites. In the Bay, Mexican holds it down. Of course, soul food growing up, you know, just black food ways and i'm going to say that right because we talk about soul food but we don't also talk about black food ways and the food that like fuels your soul feeds you your mind and spirit it's not always soul food because when we think about traditional soul food that's the food i had like on a weekend on a sunday on a sunday yeah on a holiday holiday yep thanksgiving i did not grow up eating that every single day like we were lacto ovo vegetarian growing up like my mom did it all you know we were not eating the swine we weren't eating pork you know not until later on then she started to like slack back and allow things back like okay we can have bacon but we ate turkey bacon for many years so sometimes you know my little bacon dreams come through and i enjoy a whole week of pork products because i didn't i know and that always throws me off she's like i said you eat bacon because I remember when we, <laughs> those days when you were, you know what I'm saying? It was, but, it was religious. Like, yeah, it's yeah, not happening. I remember. Like, you, you got swan? Like, you, yeah, you, you eat swan right now? You eat swan? Have you touched it? Like, no, we're not doing that, you know. Um, there was, you know, look it up. It's a whole period of Black folks who weren't, weren't Muslim, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, they weren't Muslim. weren't Jewish, right? Yeah. But they definitely didn't mess with the pork products. So, um you know, but yeah, soul food is always soul food and black food ways. So when I think of like the food my mom cooked, the food that I cook, the food my family cooks, you know, on the daily, right? You know, growing up in very like predominantly black and brown communities, right? So black and Mexican down in Oxnard and Colonia, that's where my father's family is. Mom's from Rose Parks, right? Living in Santa Barbara in public housing, it was black and Mexican, right? So like when we talk about black people's tacos, you know what I mean? Like that, I grew up with that. You know, that that like because we connected our food ways together, not just saying like we were doing that, like you actually you had, you know, chilaquiles and you had fried chicken at somebody's house. Right. Because that's what was happening. You had fried rice, you mm-hmm. know, what I mean? and you had mashed potatoes and spaghetti, like a lot of carbs, yo. But, you know, that's how things were happening. back Because then. it was cheap, though. It was cheaper. That's why we had a lot of carbs like the pastas and all and the. It was a lot of cars because the, it was in a, it wasn't ex, as expensive. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, a lot of food ways. I'm a baker. So we talk about, I love savory food and foods, but I bake Kong. So when I think about where my go-tos I bake, there was a point in my life when I was not doing sugar, a lot of sugar. And my kids were like, yo, you, you're not baking. Like you like, just not going to cook, like bake any food. And I was like, wait, but cause you know, I'm trying to like, what's my big mama status going to be? I'm like, what is my grandkids going to talk about? And it wasn't my cooking. I thought I'm a, yeah, I think I'm a good cook. They're like, you're baking. Like mom, it's your baking for sure. So baking is a big deal to me. It's sharing it with friends and family doing it. You know, that's something that I enjoy as far as like those kind of food ways. I'm a big, I don't know, a novice herbalist. So I'll be first to push some herbs on you. Things that were recipes passed down from my family, right? So that's part of food ways as well. That's the Erica Badu holistic 
That's where it's coming in, y'all. Be careful. You may show up to a mojo. You may be smelling nunchampa up in there. So Aquarians, get the soul Aquarians uh, out there. No, I already sprinkled a little bit of some, you know, immunity oils in a mojo. Don't worry. Don't check. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be smelling like banana. Is banana, freshly baked banana bread and nunchampa, y'all. That's Man, what it is. Already right? brought the banana bread. Already brought it. I know. Some. I remember you were like, I brought some banana bread in a mojo. I'm like, oh, she out here already putting her touch on it. And I'm sprinkling I'm, it. I'm glad you made that delineation because, you know, in South L.A., there was a, a lot of food truck guys like, you know, all flavor, no grease, Taco Mel. The, the dishes they're known for is like shrimp tacos, shrimp mm-hmm. quesadillas. They have they have a, a court cafe, a little like public market now. Yeah. Where they can all put their stuff out there. Like, you know, Sky's Tacos has been doing tacos like vegan and non-vegan for, you know, 30 years. So it, it, when you talk about soul food, it's just such a, a, a broad spectrum. And it's really just taking the ingredients you have and, and doing what you get. I mean, it, it, it started as survival tactics and now it's just become its own, you know, full, full bodied culture. Like when you want a shrimp quesadilla from all flavor, no grease, it's not like Mexican food quesadilla. It is its own thing. And it's amazing. You know, like, Oh, yeah. and it'll, it, it'll get you, it'll get you asleep. You gotta be I, careful. <laughs> I, I don't think our listeners really understood the brilliance of what you just did. Hong. Like literally <laughs> masterfully, like you just like totally, man, you just knocked it out of the park. <laughs> because that if you know if you're aware of that food truck you're it literally is like i'm i'm just shocked dude i'm having a moment where how you just you made that correlation between the two yeah you got to put the, that in the show notes too definitely will because court cafe yeah. they, they they started as truck they started out out the front of their house got trucks and now have their own you know brick and mortar location and they're just making the food of the community and people showed out showed out yeah, for it yeah. and and just it grew organically and now yeah they got their own spot and it's 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 really good like it, it oh man it's we so rich make, and we should make a trip we got to make a oh, trip yeah. nice. everybody every, and everybody's doing like the loaded fries with shrimp and little lobster bits and stuff yeah. like that oh yeah so yeah oh, so i'm telling you this podcast is this, the foodie portion man just go ahead and put the list out, y'all. I got I go got to shout out LA a little bit because you're repping for the Bay, which I, I I love the Bay as well. I got family up in Oakland, so I know that that food is legit. But we, yeah, the, the, any big city I feel like has that broad spectrum, and and, and we we're so close. You have to take advantage of it. You know, um, Andre made a point about Tom. You got a passport, you should travel. You live so close to LA and the Bay, you should travel at least to the Bay in LA. You know. At least once a year, you know, to make make a trip, pick some places out, have a kill that you know give you the real details about where to go via Yelp, <laughs> and just visit a couple spots and just really bask in the culture. So yeah. Oh, there's so much. I'm excited about exploring. You know, you know, when we were younger, we didn't have as many resources, right? And so now I'm like, oh, just drive down to Alhambra and like pick up some food. Yes, definitely. I can go to Glendale. I was like, yes, doing that. So there's a lot of places that I didn't have a chance to explore when we were younger, or they weren't there. Right. Or they yeah, were like, yeah. no, and now we can do that. Now it's like, what you doing? Okay, let's go. And the like I said, it kill be in the streets. But like, yeah. you wanna be like, yes, I want to go. Hold <laughs> on, let me get dressed. He's like, come on, I'm 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 going, I'm going. So, you know, I mean, and my son's a big foodie too. And yeah, we like to we like to grub when we're all together. So yes. Great picks. I'll get I'll try to get all that in show notes. It's, it's a lot, but we'll get it all in. I love I love that the beef scallion pancake and the beef noodle soup you described at Tasty Child. I haven't been, I gotta try it out because that's Oh, that's yeah. That's 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 how I'm cooking right there. So so good, so good. I know. Probably Sunday. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, I'll go next. I'll, I just want to shout out. Um, you mentioned them earlier. The the cupcakes that y'all had at the Moja mural Q and A yesterday. Tasties. You said I think they're out of Lompoc now, but you said they're they're from Santa Barbara originally. 
I didn't try them both because I was trying to be not greedy and take a little, you know, because I wanted to let everyone have one. No, no, I, I'm a scavenger. I'm a scavenger, you know. Like I, I'll go in when everybody's done, but I'm not trying to be reaching ahead of time. But that banana pudding cupcake. Okay. You know, I- Michael Modell put it out there that it was probably the best cupcake he'd ever had. And I, I can vouch for that in terms of this area, easily the best cupcake I had in Santa Barbara, whole county, you know, like easily, like, like, like clears, clears the bar. No problem. You know, crush cakes is fine. Enjoy cupcakes had a spot, you know, they're in Los Olivos. They had a spot in the public market. They were good. This cupcake cleared that bar. No problem. Like it did not, light work, light work for this cupcake. Cause it wasn't just a, it had great banana flavor. I mean, you had the Nilla yes. from the top to really sell the, the visual. You know what you're getting when you see van- a Nilla wafer on top of something that is right. a banana pudding base and, and banana is one of my, like, you know, banana bread, banana cream pie, banana. I mean, those banana pastries are always going to be up there. But a lot of times you don't always taste that. You, you know what kind of banana flavor you want from these things. Yes. And you bite into the cupcake, you get a little bit of banana flavor. Then they had that filling in the middle. And that just like, just, just smacked you upside the head. Like, this is what you came for. i like, gladiator, <laughs> are you not entertained? You know, like right there. Are you not entertained right now? You take a little bite of that Nilla wafer and a bite of that cupcake. Oh, it was it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Let uh, me this like hung banana pudding right in the black community and peach cobbler. It's like velvet cake. There's a there's a there are a few that are like fighting words. Like well, who you know, we talk about who made the mac and cheese. No, it's like who made the banana pudding. Yeah. You know? Yep. Who did the peach cobbler? Like, oh, what's that crust looking like, though? Are the peaches really done well? Are these canned or fresh? Like, you really be getting into the details. When I had that banana cupcake yesterday, and I, this is my first time, I was like, why do we need banana pudding? Like, I just was like, this is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Let's, is- not, let's not go too yeah, far. Now. Wait, let's, wait, let's wait. You don't want to end the show. <laughs> You're trying to end the show right now. I know, right? <laughs> I'm just saying. I love a cupcake though. I love cake. And for me, like it just, it had everything. I got a little bit of banana in that pudding, you know, it was just like perfect. And the peach and the peach cobbler one was great as well. So yeah. Um, yeah. I- and I, and I, I looked, checked out the Instagram after they got fruity pebbles on cupcakes. The chocolate yeah. that they had looked really, really dark and rich. Like, mm. mm-hmm. like it's not just, we're not just talking like traditional, but they got, they got cupcakes that run the gamut. So I'm, I'm ready for my next party to put in an order and the, I'll, I'll get all the social media and stuff in the show notes. Those yeah. cupcakes were unreal, like easily the best in the, in the, in the area, in the county. So like Leela alluded to, I'll tell you a quick funny story about it. So how uh, Shantae, we grew up with her and, you know, I have been following her. I'm obviously I'm friends with her on Facebook and Instagram and I've been following her for a while. And, and she started posting all these sweets. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, is she trying these spaces or is she actually baking? And then I started to realize like she, it was her business. And so we had like a, um, a family kind of get together at Oak Park not too long ago. And Everyone was like, everyone was talking about the cupcakes. And, and they're like, so you try Shantae's cupcakes? And so I walked over there and I saw the little little vanilla wafer on, on top of the cupcake. And I was like, oh, man. And literally, I when I took a bite, that same thing Hong already described it. So then when we were talking about having, like, treats, man, you know, brother was like, Shantae, Shantae, Shantae. <laughs> I was like, man, so I'm glad everyone has come through and see the light on that. So hopefully, you know, while the institution continues to have events, we can, you know, continue to support her because it is, they were really that good. There was only three left and oh. 
shout out to Roxanne for bringing them home because last <laughs> night, you know, last night was a, it was a long day for me uh, after the mural, man. I kicked it up, dude, and I just like I'm I, R.I.P. to those three cupcakes, man. I I ate them in one sitting, man. The peach cobbler, they were just as good as yeah. well. And, uh, and bake, you know, it's easy to bake. You know, it's not easy to bake, but you can bake things well on a small scale. But when you scale it up to like a business, yeah. it's it's yeah. hard to get that consistency. Right. And from everyone I talked to, those cupcakes, if if it tasted even half as good as the one I got, it's consistent. It sounds like they're all pretty uniform. So yeah. that that was that was unreal. Yeah. It's exciting. You know, like Kill said, we grew up with Shantae. We've got folks doing different businesses, you know, in Santa Barbara County. And it just was really sweet, like to see her and to see her mom and you know, to see this, just this collaboration of family and community. And that's what it's about, you know? So I look forward to us as we continue to connect with other businesses as well um, and bringing people in and introducing people, you know, like we've, it's hard. It's, as we know, it is hard to sustain living in Santa Barbara County. And, you know, of course, folks in the margins, like it's hard for Black folks to have say, like have dropped since when I was here, you know, I mean, to where it is now. And so when you see people really trying to like continue and like have a sustainable like light living, you you cheer that, right? You want to like celebrate that. You want to bring them in and like let everybody know about it because it's hard. It is hard. And people have pushed through a lot of circumstances to get to that place, right? To find like, here's my passion and here's what I'm good at. And now I'm going to pick a risk, ooh, you know, and like step out. I understand that I'm a business owner, you know, I, as a massage therapist and it's, it's hard to put yourself out there, right. Provide a service or a skill. And when you do, you know, and people appreciate it and they, they reciprocate back by telling someone else it feels good. So, you know, shout out to Shantae and Tasty's man. Yeah. I'll definitely get that all that info in the show notes. I'll put the phone number in the socials. Cause yeah, if you have any kind of event going on, if you want any kind of sweet treat in anything you're doing, I don't know how what the limit the minimum order is, but I know that you should definitely make it happen, no matter what it is. So, and, and she has a dope hashtag. Her hashtag is hashtag believe the hype. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's her hashtag. So, yeah, like, check, do that. Check it out. So, yeah. I'll I'll go ahead and throw real quick. Um, I'll be quick. Um, it is Black History Month, so you know, and we talk about you know supporting Black businesses, and 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 so I'm gonna go with Soul Bites, uh, on State Street um had the great op Leela and I both had the great opportunity to kind of sample everything from most everything from the menu we had a BSU uh Santa Barbara City College had a mixer right towards the end of the the fall semester and so he was Sterling is the owner's name um was so gracious enough to invite us down and really just bring out a whole different a whole a, a whole bunch of samples from his menu we tried the fried chicken. We tried the grits. We tried the the black eyed peas. We we tried the crackling. And I'm just Ooh. gonna I'm just gonna have to stop right there because the <laughs> the, the crackling was man that was everything. Oh. I mean, we it's something you shouldn't be probably eat often, right, right. but when you do, and you definitely got to go to Soul Bites get the crackling. That was the one. That was the game changer. That was the one that everyone been to, and everybody was like, mm, like you heard all the noises. So, but yeah, Soul Bites um, on Lower State. It used to be where I believe it was Velvet Jones was located at. Um, and it's under new ownership. Uh, Sterling, who's the owner that initially started out just in the kitchen. Um, and then the people that were renting 
out the you know the remainder of the building like left and so he's taken over uh, the whole entire building also oh, he's got the whole space so he has a oh, whole space nice. and he's really trying to make it a space uh for people to come and engage in the community have you know open mics poetry um just oh he's just trying to do what i feel is something that has been missing from santa barbara in a long time is just creating a space of culture and you know um belonging you know always have this fantasy of love jones poetry night you know we all we all know what that's about so you know next to the stage (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) brother to the night (laughs) but yeah so he's really trying to to do that and, and i would just urge our listeners to go out and support and some people may not even really have had soul food so it's a good representation of what um soul food is so soul bites that's my pick for the week local lower state santa barbara support business nice i'll definitely get down to get down the show notes because crackling you have me a crackling <laughs> man look and you know you're not supposed to eat it like that but it i think they even provide it for you on the side like as a side order see my excuse is i can eat it with rice so i could get like five cracklings and i can make that like three meals if i had to you know so but yeah Bring a friend, man. Bring a friend. Don't <laughs> <laughs> All right. Segway now. Bringing it home. Higher learning. Piece of culture. Book, music, movie, TV, anything. Leela, that is recent or all time on your list. You can, you can, we could talk about Soul Quarians if you want. We can make this. Man. You know, <laughs> start. Um, I think because it's Aunt Look, y'all, I had a. I think I, I, it was a spiritual experience. I went to go see The Lion King last night and my kids got it for me for my birthday. My birthday's in November. And funny enough, they didn't know I was going to move. We didn't know I was going to move. Like this, you know, they got it early. So here we are, you know, going, <laughs> going to this show um, last night and grew up with Lion King. I've heard all the things, right, about the musical and I always wanted to go. And it was a really big deal to my mom who wanted to like take all the kids and be like, yeah, mom, like later, later, later. And you know, my mom has passed on and later is not promised, right? Tomorrow is not promised. So my kids, it was such a, a very heartfelt gift. You know, it was, a, it was a gift that was beyond the gift, right? And so we went last night. Let me tell you, like hearing a musical that's sung in like Zulu and you know, Hausa and Swahili and Soko, it it was amazing, amazing. You know, of course you have these giant, bigger than life puppets and I don't know what they call animatronics. I don't know what's the proper name, but they're beautiful. The costume, the makeup, but the singing, the ensemble, like, you notice I'm not talking about the acting because I could take it or leave it, the acting, like it was great. Oh, it was I cried like the opening. I cried the end standing ovation. Like I teared up parts of it. And when we talk about culture, going to an experience where you have the diaspora on stage and it's been there for, I don't know, was it 20 years now? Y'all like, man, I think 1997, maybe. So to be in that place and to be with my children, when I think about culture and I think about blackness, and the time of Black History Month, and like just to have that moment with them, that that yeah. is, that was it. 
you know, like that was a wonderful moment and an experience to have with them. Um, and, you know, it, it touches me. I am a person that's very much in touch about like the African diaspora and like being a part of the continent, even if, without knowing my ancestry, right? Like I don't have a direct lineage to who my people are, where they come from. I haven't done the DNA and I don't know if I ever will, but I was raised to embrace all of it. Right. Because because we didn't know where exactly our folks came from on the continent, motherland. And so to sit in there, it was spiritual for me. I was like, I'm I'm owning all of this. I'm saying all of it is who I am. And, you know, not in a way that's appropriating or, you know, taking anything on, but just saying like there is a link inside of my body, like a in my spirit that says like that is home. You know, so it was, yeah, it was beautiful. And I'm still kind of, as you see, I'm still kind of feeling that today. I've been playing the soundtrack and, you know, just kind of sitting in that today. So that cultural experience for me is definitely was seeing the Lion King. Um, I know it feels weird because you're like the lot, like the, like, no man, like not the movie, not the mm-hmm. Beyonce redo, like, the musical, <laughs> you know, the musical was really, it's, it's really something. Um, it was really something. So you see black folks in the theater. It's real talk. We do a thing. We see each other and we see each other. <laughs> we nod, we look, we like give each other that like, mm-hmm, that uh-huh. There's like a co-sign that we're like, I know you saw, I experienced it. Like, you know, we see each other and a sea of a lot of, you know, theater goers, right? And so that was also part of it too, which is kind of being in that community with folks. Yeah, theater is definitely a blind spot for me, but I've heard so many good things about The Lion King over the years that I, I definitely will have to go see it sometime, especially if it's at the Pantages. It's a, it's a nice yeah. place to take in take in theater for sure. It's, yeah, it was a great experience. That was, yeah, that's my one thing right now I'm going to sit in. There's a lot of, you know, I'm a podcast listener, reader, you know, there's a lot going on in, in this brain over here, um, but I'm going to sit in that for, for today. That's beautiful. Nice, nice. All right. I'll get that link in the show notes. Um, uh, I'll go next, I guess. Uh, Black History Month. I wanted to shout out two two folks that have a profound influence on my life. Um, Thanks, Han. I appreciate it. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. No, just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I, ahead, I, I'll do I'll do it. Akeel and Jackie Hill episode one day. But yeah, yeah. Jer- Jerry, Jerry Lawson, who uh, worked at Fairchild Semiconductor in the 70s. Um, he was actually part of the computer club. Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak were before they found an Apple computer. Wozniak interviewed with him for a job, and Jerry didn't give him the job. But Jerry Lawson worked at Fairchild, put out the first video game console in 1976, and pioneered the use of cartridges in video games. So, I mean, yeah. So, Jerry, like, that before video games were on, like, it's like huge chips. I mean, I, you know, you can tune out if you want to. But yeah, so, so, like, the idea of swapping games was not an option. You would buy a single game, and that would be it. So to have a home system that you could swap games in and out of made it all much more cost effective. And Jerry Lawson is the driving force behind video game cartridges. Atari 2600 came out a year later, 1977, and they copied the Fairchild technology. Pretty much wholesale copied. You know, they took off. They were very successful. And, and everyone looks at Atari now as, as, you know, the grandfathers of video games, even though there were a couple consoles for that. But Jerry Lawson deserves his flowers. You know, he's not he's not around to smell him anymore, but absolutely the the inventor of video game cartridges and the, the father of video games today as we know them. So I got to shout Jerry Lawson out. Second person, Lonnie Johnson. Lonnie Johnson is an aerospace engineer. He has a million patents for rocketry and nuclear fuel. And, you know, he's an aero. But what he is most, I guess not most famous for, but what he's made the most money out of 
is inventing the super soaker. Yeah. There's a patent yes. for the super so yeah. if you were if you were live when the super soaker hit, it was a seismic shift in the water gun game. Like you would play water guns with kids and everyone have the cheap dinky plastic water gun. There'd be some random rich kid that had the battery operated one that was semi-auto that would shoot a but they didn't have the distance and the power. Super soaker dropped and the the game completely changed. Where if you didn't have a super soaker, you needed someone on your crew with a super soaker because those things were just raining hellfire, just destructive water damage. Like just they really would soak the heck out of you. The only downside was having to fill the tank. But besides that, yes. super soaker was just lapped the field, like just, just absolute game changer. So in terms of the effect they had on my life growing up and for the culture as a whole, got a shout out to, you know, more less less heralded folks, but but absolutely essential to my childhood growing up. Jerry Lawson for his video game cartridge technology and Lonnie Johnson for inventing the, the super soaker, which I mean, seismic shift. I thought we talked about the Mexican candy with laundry, how that was a seismic shift, adding spice to candy. Lonnie Johnson, because of his aerospace engineering background was able to engineer a water gun that was a hundred times more destructive than anything that had come before. And just an amazing tool, amazing piece of technology. Just unbelievable. Like I can't tell you enough that it was not only a great toy, but very inexpensive because, you know, like I said, yes. those kids that had the expensive water guns that run yep. around batteries. They were like, oh, yeah, I got it. I got this. Like, man, the Super Circuit was like 10 oh, bucks. Anyone can get one. Yeah. Democratize the water gun field. Like, thank yeah. you, Lonnie Johnson, and thank you, Jerry Lawson. Thank you. Well, man, well, uh, shoot, man. Thank you for putting that, put us on yeah. to that, man. Jerry Lawson, I did, had no idea, man. If I had a night, if I knew had known that, I would have sprung that on my mom maybe she would have bought me an atari when i was younger <laughs> i'd be like man oh, it's me this is from a brother man no you have to get the fair child in yeah. the middle when no one's making games yeah. anymore You're like oh man not this one but yeah yeah man Look, thanks for I schooling us you, Hong, my father <laughs> you know at like family reunions and barbecue i will tell you that we were able to have super soakers like you know there's all kinds of games and activities for kids but because it was invented by a black man my father was like no you got to get the super soaker a black man made that, you know, we were like, yeah, as a kid, we're like, can we just get it? I want to show up <laughs> to the reunion. Yeah. I want to show up to the barbecue with, you know, as a girl, I'm going to like take out all my cousins. It was like, oh, he's a black man. I didn't know his name. I didn't know his name. He and was it was, like, and that was the one super soaker far and away the best water gun out there. Because yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember like I, I was, I grew up in LA. So it was hot all the time. So you always want to play water guns. Like we didn't have pools around. Water guns are the next best thing to keep cool. And most water guns were terrible. Like the, the dime a dozen in the dollar store. Super oh. circuit hit, changed the game, changed the game forever. Uh, a net a net positive for the culture. I can't say enough about the super, what the super circuit did for Lilo. my life and the lives of the kids <laughs> around me. So Lilo out here trying to show up to the family reunion, you show up and show out, dude. You have no idea. Like I have memories. With the super soaker. And a bucket and like that pump action, and you just go to return to that bucket. Like that was the yeah. cheat code. Don't don't yeah. try to go to a faucet, have the bucket full of water, you put it in, soak it. Man, look. And the cool. kids will be trying to pump it like eight thousand times. Yep. They had to change yeah. the design because some kids were going too crazy. That that's the thing that was like like super under pressure with too much power. Cause yeah. Nowadays, nowadays they don't let you like charge up the pumps like that. Where like <laughs> one pump will spray it out. Whereas before, you could like it was like the Reebok pump when that shoe came out. People just pumping yeah. it to death. Yeah, like no, you you didn't. It, it became dangerous, but that was what made it cool. That little bit That's, of danger is yep. what makes 
that's the best toys for kids. You know, that little yeah, bit of thing. Yeah, yeah. Take that your little... skin off. <laughs> <laughs> that, or, the, or the moments of, I got to hurry up. I got to hurry up and fill it up. You know, like. Oh, that, yeah, that, because they're coming those, on you because they want revenge. That, that moment, that moment, man. <laughs> hey, that's, those are great choices, Thank Hong, you. man. Thanks for picking those. Um, I'm going to, you know, I thought, I, I thought about two things. And one of them I hadn't seen, so, I, but I still want to give it a plug. So I think people should really uh, uh, tune in uh, the 1619, uh, 1619 project. I think um, that should be one. I haven't really watched it, so I, I, I don't want to get into talking about what I think it's about. So, but just check that out, 1619, uh, 1619 project. I think it's on Hulu. Um, and and I think it's important that we highlight that. And then I'm going to go old school on y'all since everybody else is out here going old school. I'm going to say I'm going back to the 90s. And I know Lila's going to roll on this, but something that was really kind of heartfelt to me in terms of like just really thinking about college and, and, and what it's like to have that experience as a black person was Different World. Oh, yeah. Um, Different World was one of those shows that really highlighted HBCUs, what it was like to have uh, Black educators uh, in a Black setting. Um, And then there's always people that, um, you know, Lila alluded to earlier about Blackness and the diaspora and how Black folks are are layered and nuanced and not everyone thinks the same thing. Check out that show. That show definitely has, you know, I'm thinking about Whitney who who is you know has her own little uh quirky ways and then you got freddie and then you got the pro black folks and just really layered uh um different approaches with different characters that you know people probably can relate to in different ways and facets so shout out to the different world i know it's like uh from the 90s but man that show is nostalgic so good yeah and you know um, so that's 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 my pick for like I, I had no concept of that world growing because you know I'm just a, a son of refugees watching random TV shows, but we watch Cosby Show and we watch Different World because of Cosby Show. Yep. Lisa Bonet started off early on on that show, and then she didn't even have a lot to do with it, and it still took off because of Whitney, Jasmine Guy, Kadeem Hardison, Kentucky Hardison, Sinbad holding Sinbad. it down. Yeah, so yep. just just the, the people on that show and this the 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 storylines were really, I mean. Yes. They, they hit, you know, like it, yeah. there's just a lot of content there. There's a lot to take in, even for like a kid like me who had no context. Just just the, people were I mean, they were going through real stuff. They put the little comedic sheet on it, but it was it was it was definitely definitely sending a message. So, it's yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, definitely look at shows now and you're like, there would be no euphoria or grownish or, you know, a lot of shows if it wasn't for some of these shows like living single and then girlfriends and, mm-hmm. you know, different world. You got, you know, a lot of what all American, like a, a lot of shows like who really, you know, that really bring out, you know, these like different experiences, right. Of adolescence and young adulthood, you know, those are formative shows for us. We're like, Oh, about that. On yeah fresh pants are a different world or living single so yeah those are the shows no good one i don't yeah. know on hulu but is it on hulu i'll definitely find it it's streaming somewhere so yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll find it and get down the show notes and then 1619 project i read some of the because it was a started by the new york times as like a journalism piece so there's a lot of yeah. articles so i was reading some of the 1619 articles when they were coming out i didn't keep up with all of them but then the yeah the the, the stuff on hulu I, I mean i haven't seen it all so i'll definitely get that in the show notes as well because it's definitely definitely worth catching up for sure yes, great yeah. picks thank great y'all pick. yeah thank y'all and thank you leela for coming on the show it was an oh, honor and a privilege an honor, man i love it i love it you know <laughs> 
Hongakil and I could talk like this all day. So I appreciate you just really hanging in there with us. And I, I love the show. I love the work that you guys are doing and highlighting all the different people, um, you know, at City College and their connections and really getting to know each other as like whole entire people. So y'all just keep doing what you're doing. I look forward to your book that you put out with all these uh, food spots, uh, <laughs> references, you know, keep it up. You're doing great work. Any final words before we uh before we before wrap it up? Any any last um, plugs or anything like that you want to give? Oh yeah, um you know Mojo's working on a bunch of different things. You know, working on creating just a Black History three hundred sixty five um, initiative where we're celebrating Black History. You know, throughout the year, so we'll be having some events coming up around that. And like I said, connecting, you know, being this connector, so connecting with the local school districts, so Santa Barbara Unified and Galita Unified, you know, that stuff is going to be coming up, you know, just we'll post and that we'll send information out. Um, coming up in the Center for Equity and Social Justice, we have a maternal health um, wealth and like families working with the ESL and working with Chelsea over in EOPS with the SPARK program. Um, and we'll be ha- hosting just a day of movie. We're watching a movie called Born Free and having a panel of midwives and doulas um, who will be in the space and birth birth workers. Um, We'll have like a mini family fair that will be out there in Friendship Plaza, just baby wearing, game seeker, you know, having art from Scrap who will be there. Um, We're having a a fatherhood circle with, you know, there you go. You got your co-host there is going to be one of the facilitators um, along with Miguel with the international program and ambassador. So they'll be facilitating that conversation for fathers. So we want to invite folks to take some time out. Um, that will be next week, 11 to two, 11 to two, um, for the, on both days. So kind of make it easy workshops, um, for folks to come out to. So that's exciting. Um, we've got, you know, a co- thinking about the future with Emoja, we have black grad, which is going to be the first time we've had a celebration for all black graduates in Santa Barbara County. So we're going to be, that's going to be a huge collaboration working with, again, like I said, those communities and those networks and resources. So, you know, celebrating from pre-K, you know, kindergarten, junior, you know, middle school, high school, college, and bringing, you know, black families, black identified families, you know, and their supporters together in a space to honor the honor that achievement right promotion and graduation and moving forward so that's black grads coming up that's going to be in may um dates to be announced as we're going to work with the committee and advisory on that and then we'll in the fall kick off our school year with um a black to school and again connecting community to santa barbara city college as this community space so that's you know that's kind of where we're going we'll have things in between brothers and sister circles we'll have what's called the porch um, which is just a talking space. We've got, you know, just some really great things. I love working with Leslie, you know, in the Dream Center and, you know, Raices is getting started. And so we'll do some collaboration work with Raices programming and folks. So LGBTQ plus, we're talking about intersectionality, right? So working with the staff on events. So we're just, yeah, a lot of great things will be happening and cross-pollination connecting folks together. So doing that connecting work and being being hopefully fairly compensated for it. That's what we're going for, right? You got that CalPERS, so there, there it is. So <laughs> She's trying she, she try to get that five years fully vested, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> soon enough, soon enough. So thank you again, Leela. Like, thank you honor. so much, Leela. As always, Akil, thank you so much. Thank and you so much. Until next time, y'all. This was Mikaela right. Voices. Take care. Peace. Peace.